All right, let's kick it. Happy Sober Day, friends, and welcome to the Sobriety Diaries. My name is Nate, and I am a grateful recovering alcoholic. My personal addiction has shaped the person I am today and given me the ability and voice to help others, and I simply wouldn't be here without it. Recovery is possible. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we talk to other recovering alcoholics and addicts. We hear their stories and hope to help others who may still be struggling. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and at the sobrietydiaries.com where you can also apply to be a guest on the show and follow us on social media. Please share this podcast with just one person in your life who may still be struggling. You just never know what they may need to hear today. Now on to the business at hand. Today on the Sobriety Diaries Roundtable, we are joined by three former guests who have all shared their story on the show, Michael, Kiana, and Kenny. Hi, friends. How's everyone doing today? Hey, doing great. Hi. Great. Glad to be here. Good. Doing well. Good, good. Absolutely. Thank you guys again for lending your time. I appreciate it as we grow and continue to expand our audience. Much appreciated. Uh, Michael, I take it uh, based on Instagram, you finally listened to your episode. What were your thoughts? I did. I didn't sound as bad as I thought I would. (laughs) (laughs) You did did a great job editing and putting it together, putting together my uh, babbling thoughts into a cohesive (laughs) story. Uh, the magic of editing, right? Yeah. Um, and as, as I explore this journey, I hope to get better at telling my story in a more uh, thoughtful, cohesive manner. Good. I thought you did great. Honestly, I edited myself more than I did you. So, uh, Kiana, your episode is coming up, but you've been contributing so much to the podcast. I give you a little sneak peek of it. You know, about sharing the story and, and you know, I've had, I've been very fortunate in coming from the type of program that I came from, you know, we very consistently and every single week would go out and share a very formalized story so much so that it kind of sometimes became a little bit calloused, I guess, like you don't realize what it is you're sharing. So I've just kind of had a little bit more, I think, experience, but recently I've realized the things I thought were important that I wanted to share are no longer the things that are actually relevant. You know, what you're grateful for every day, the things that are happening in your ongoing life, they change. Like your past never changes, those details never change, but every time we talk, you always ask me, you know, what are you grateful for today? Like being able to focus on that and realize like how far you've come and not just telling the story, you know, callously, I've actually had to learn how to humanize it. And so to be honest, I kind of feel like I'm being given the opportunity to share for real, for real, for the first time. Yeah. The way that I tell my story and the things that I focus on now has completely changed from six years ago to now and sort of the message that uh, I want to convey when I tell it. Kenny, I saw a little bit of your uh, yoga routine on uh, Instagram. How is the DDP world going? It's going well. In fact, in just a few hours, uh, we're gonna uh, gonna have a private meeting uh, with uh, DDP himself, and cool. um, so we're all gonna get together in a little group and um, uh, talk about things moving forward and you know his plans for the program. And, uh, it's 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 super exciting. I've come a long way. When are you gonna sleep? Uh, I don't know. Monday. Maybe. <laughs> 
So for the roundtable chats, we pick a topic to frame our recovery conversation around. And today I wanted to talk about acceptance, whatever path you choose and however your journey uh, gets you out of the misery of addiction. I think acceptance is a common theme. So I thought that we could probably all relate on that. For me in my active addiction and my cloudy thoughts, admitting that I was an alcoholic seemed worse to me than living in that actual addiction. So that delayed my willingness and my acceptance for probably like an additional two years before I did accept it. And I think that that is the baseline and the first step, if you will, not even referring to a 12-step program, but the first step in my journey for sure. And I think probably a lot of uh, addicts that perhaps hear this, just accepting the fact that we can't do it ourselves. We need help and I have a problem. So I think that, like I said, acceptance seems to be a common theme. Accepting that we have a weakness, though, is not always as easy. Accepting that we have a disease or that we need help. Uh, Michael, did you have a moment of acceptance? I don't know if I necessarily accept it, but I always kind of joke, haha, I'm an alcoholic. This is funny. But I don't think I was truly accepting what that meant. I think that was like a coping mechanism to deflect my actual problems. And I guess it took, it took just time and waking up hungover and feeling terrible over and over and over again to finally start to accept the fact that maybe I had a problem with alcohol and maybe I should start thinking about quitting or should quit. Just like you, I, I couldn't have done it alone. Um, my partner helped me see the way out of addiction and without her, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have been able to do it on my own. And it's, you know, you really do need to kind of give up control and accept the help that people are offering you when they see that you need help. Because sometimes when you're deep in those throes of addiction and alcoholism and, you know, other people can actually see better than you can see yourself what's going on and they they see that you need help and you can't do it on your own. Kenny, uh, you and I both work a 12-step program and and we talk about acceptance a lot. I personally sometimes need to like re-accept the fact that I'm an alcoholic. You know, it's like an ongoing thing. Do you find that there are times where it's a reset or like you re-accept your disease? Uh, frequently. In fact, uh, I've, I've always considered that first step, um, admitting I was powerless over alcohol and that my life had become unmanageable to be kind of like a, um, like a jar with a, a spigot built in the bottom of it. And it's open at the bottom and I can fill it up. Like, especially when I first came, I mean, I, I filled it up to the top, but it was running out. And I had to keep reminding myself that my life had become unmanageable and that I was powerless. And my life is quite manageable today, but I don't, I can't ever forget what led me into those rooms in the first place. So uh, it is certainly an ongoing struggle for me. And I, I don't ever want to go back, but I certainly can. I can get that 
problem back very, very quickly. Exactly. So I keep reminding myself. I love mm -hmm. that metaphor. It's kind of always just like never closed tight enough, like always le leaking out a little bit. So we need to con continually fill it back up. So like I said, I think acceptance is found in most things in our life or a lot of things in our life other than addiction. Have you fully accepted where you came from and everything that you've accomplished in the last six years? Ooh, that's so loaded. <laughs> There's m multiple layers to that, what that acceptance looks like. You know, you have that first initial like, what we talk about as surrender acceptance, like I have a problem, I am powerless over this. I, you know, I can no longer control these, these actions or what it is that, you know, I'm trying to facilitate on myself. It's a compulsive behavior, but realizing like, this isn't just a behavior. This is actually something that is an issue. You have that first moment. I can't do it anymore. I see the consequences. But with every season that kind of unfolds, acceptance continues to be something that comes up often and it kind of looks a little bit different each time like the next level of acceptance I had when I was you know 60 days sober was oh my goodness like I can't believe that this is what I've done like look at the people I've alienated look at the things I've done to myself like the lack of trust you know the lies I've told the countless nights that people lost sleep you know then I had to accept not only did I do this to those people but I've also done some serious damage to myself then after that, you know, you, you gain some serious overtime and all of a sudden it's learning to accept that just because you've accepted it doesn't mean other people are going to accept it. We've caused a lot of damage right. to a lot of people in our lives. And just because we've done the work and just because we've been through the process doesn't mean that other people got to see the work that was done. They may always just see us as a fraud and that's upsetting. But I think acceptance at the very core of it isn't just I have a problem. It's just learning how to facilitate and navigate through your life, knowing the changes you've made, but staying present enough that you don't ever go back there. Sometimes I have to remind myself that I used to live in a tent under a bridge shooting up 40 times a day because it's, I forget. Yeah. And I'm like literally faced with that reality. And I say, like, what? Like how, what was that? What was any of that? I'm glad you brought up other people seeing or understanding our progress and almost accepting that they don't accept it. And, you know, that's tough because, you know, you have this momentum and this new confidence and courage and you want to, I wanted to sort of make everything right immediately. And there is a saying in in the the 12 step program that I work that says 10 or 20 years of drunkenness will make a skeptic of anyone. You know, you've acted the way that you have for the last x amount of years. You know, it could take double, triple, quadruple that time for them to see that you actually have changed. So there was a lot of accepting other people's reactions to my sobriety early on and leveling the expectation so I wasn't let down on a regular basis. I can't control their behavior, but I can control my own reaction to it. I like I like what you said about not not being accepted can lead to relapse or not getting the expected reaction from people, the acceptance. Well, so many times that like our addictive behaviors are rooted so deeply in that, in that form of lack of acceptance that, you know, 
we get so fed and so gleaned off of what other people think of us or say about us. And when it's something so significant as, you know, your recovery or your clean time, you know, that's something you can really hold on to. Like you care so much what other people think about it that all of a sudden these unmet expectations are, they just become so monumental. And I think that's, it's why it's so important to find recovery and acceptance in you living a full life because other people aren't always going to take that and say, oh, wow, they've turned their life around because the second some type of selfish behavior comes out, they're so quick to say, see, I told you like nothing. Exactly. Right. Still person. I knew you, I knew you wouldn't change. Well, yeah, we're constantly a work in progress. I'm still a very sick person. I'm still, you know, just as sick up here as I was when I first got sober. And Same. I tend to forget that. I have to remind myself that I'm selfish and self-centered by nature. And I do selfish and self-centered things. I, I catch myself a little more lately, but it, acceptance isn't just for the disease of alcoholism and addiction. It is accepting things that we can't change. And there's a lot of things out there that we have absolutely no control over. And that is a daily, hourly struggle for me to accept things that I absolutely have nothing that I can exert control over. And I want to control everything. If everybody would just do what I say, everything would be perfect. Right. <laughs> it's unfortunate no one will bend to my will. Do you all feel like you're almost held to a higher standard now? 100%. Because you have yes. to prove yourself to everybody? Absolutely. It's all when you hear somebody with 20 years of recovery suddenly walking out of the rooms or, you know, losing their faith or whatever it is, you know, that's always like, oh my goodness, like they had 20 years. Like what we put them on such a pedestal that we almost like dehumanize the situation. Like these are people with like real thoughts, real emotions mm -hmm. who are living a real life. Like you don't really know what happens in the inner workings. And unfortunately it's sometimes the greatest pillars of whatever society organization room wise, you know, 12 step program that we're looking at and saying, I want what they have. And sometimes they're silently just screaming. You know, it's the reason why we see so many people go back. It's like, just because I have six years of sobriety or 15 years of sobriety doesn't make me any better or any less than anybody who's coming in on their first day. It's just, maybe I have a little bit more self-control, but if I get prideful in that and I allow that to be the thing that navigates my sobriety, then guess what? You're going to watch them fall one by one because it was never about the sobriety or working on yourself. Again, it was about what other people thought. I can't talk to somebody. I can't let them know I'm struggling. You know, what would they think of me if they knew somebody of 20 years was really struggling with these inner demons and needed somebody to talk to? Oh, well, they might not, you know, they might take away my position of authority here. It shouldn't matter. We can all encourage each other. And I think it definitely takes one addict to another, talking to one another and sharing and being open to, you know, as the, as the key to long-term sobriety. I need to hear from people with 20 years and I need to hear from people with you know, two hours. I think, I think they can also remind us where we came from because yeah, they're so closer fresh. to that edge. It blows my mind how many times I go and I share portions of my story and people say like, wow, I can't believe that you can just get up there and share that. And I'm saying, well, what are recovering people doing? Like, is this an anomaly that, that people don't go out there and they don't want to share these stories about, you know, recovery because they're scared of what people are going to think. And time after time, week after week, I have people who come to me and say, wow, I wish more people would talk about it because I have a sister, brother, aunt, you know, son, cousin, 
stepfather who is struggling and maybe if they had heard a story maybe they would you know seek better for themselves it blows my mind that people even in recovery are living in shame too afraid to share their story because they care about what other people think it's horrible it's so discouraging but isn't that like why we do this here i was just gonna say here we are sharing i'm so grateful that this is an anomaly and that this is something that we get to be part of today because man i've been taking this for granted i feel like i want to share so that other people can know this is what i went through and if you're going through the same thing you know here's what i did and this is the life that i lead now and i i, I don't know i don't know why i have this unusual desire to tell my story uh and to not really hold back and, and i did a lot of embarrassing things while i was drinking <laughs> You know, love that. Like transparency you know. is such a gift and very few people possess that. And, and I can't I think, I um, mean, I, I just don't feel like I can learn from uh, a non-addict when it comes to addiction. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, somebody, somebody can, you know, maybe give me information that I didn't know about or give me wisdom that I didn't know about, but nobody, nobody can know me like an addict knows me and vice versa. So I was a, a bartender for 15 some years. And I spent those 15 years enabling people, helping them get drunk, helping them make themselves sick. So I want to now work on the other side of that and help usher people into sobriety. If, if they, I don't want to force people, if somebody wants to quit drinking or drink less, I want to be a resource for them that they can say, oh, okay, maybe I can still have that sort of fun, or maybe I can still, you know, go be social and have like a nice tasting drink with some buddies that doesn't have to be alcohol. I don't have to drive drunk. I don't have to feel like shit tomorrow morning. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of trying to undo what I did for 15 years. And there's a lot of people who, who want to know about that. I mean, there's a lot of people who want to know about that exact thing. That's right. great. It's definitely out I, there. I always envied those people that could have like that healthy relationship with alcohol. But you know, now, like I know I'm an all or nothing guy. And mm-hmm. there's no way I could ever go back to just, you know, having one drink and being okay with it. And there are some people that can. And even if those people, you know, they're starting to get older or they're starting to drink a little bit more, maybe I want to nudge them back towards the sobriety side. What are your thoughts on this California sober thing? Are you guys familiar? I first heard about it through Demi Lovato after her relapse. And she is currently what she calls California sober, which is like still working on herself and like a recovery program, but smoking weed and occasionally drinking. And now people are like, it's like a hashtag and people are saying they're California sober now. And I just, I mean, I think we, the four of us can agree it's ridiculous, but I think it's just opening the door and almost like demeaning a life of sobriety and an actual recovery. I'm very transparent that the way that I got sober was through faith, through the church. Um, I do serve quite heavily um, within the church that, you know, I just actually moved my life across the state so we could be closer to the family. And our, our explanation and our argument for this, I think, which would be pretty relevant across the board would be like, absolutely not. That's not okay. Why, you know, for myself, whether or not I come from a history of addiction is irrelevant for this purpose. Um, Let's say you knew absolutely nothing about me, right? 
So the way that people would look at this is, what if I have a young student who comes to me whose only problem is he likes to smoke weed with his friends sometimes, right? And he's starting to feel like maybe he's getting sucked in a little bit and he's not using any other type of drug or sustenance. He's not, you know, engaging in any other risky behavior, but he doesn't want to be doing these things anymore. So it doesn't matter if I have a problem with it or not, but as a minister and as somebody who could potentially be somebody else's mentor, what if this is something that I'm partaking in. And now I have a young student coming to me, asking me for advice on how to break free from this. But yet this is something that I'm myself battling with. We would say there has to be a certain level of accountability. There has to be a higher standard that you're being held to. Why? Because you don't really know what people are coming to. Let's say I have a friend who just joined the church who I didn't know was an alcoholic who has 15 years of sobriety and I'm out to dinner with my husband and I'm having a glass of wine because I feel that that's something that I can do in the privacy of my own home. Regardless, again, let's say I didn't have a history of addiction, but this person is now seeing a pastor or a minister at the table who's having a glass of wine. And if I did have a history of addiction, them saying, well, she has a history of addiction and she's having a glass of wine at dinner. So she, it must mean that obviously it isn't always an issue. And even though I had a history of alcoholism, if she can do it, then I can probably do it too because she can maintain what it is that she has. There are people out there who do struggle with these things. Not everybody is an IV 40 times a day addict. Some people get addicted to these substances and they just need somebody to say like, no, like you are heard, I understand. And like, it is altering your mindset, it is. I think uh, I think it's not necessarily up to me to say what she can or can't do or right. say. The problem becomes her influence and her influence over. Which is large. Yeah, which is large, her influence over other people and other people that maybe were struggling with sobriety that, like Kiana said, now are like, oh, well, Demi Lovato is California sober, so I think I can do that. It, it's, it might work for some people, it might not work for other people, but to, to use your platform to, to say something it. like that, I think can be really dangerous. If she wasn't a pillar in the recovery community, people would probably wouldn't think twice about it. But yeah. there's a lot of people looking to her for recovery, and I think it gives the wrong message. I feel like it's kind of just a rebranding of, um, you know, changing my brand, switching, only drinking brandy, taking a trip, not taking a trip. Uh, it, just things that we try in order to convince ourselves that we don't have a problem. You know, I mean, I'd like to try it. It sounds great. You know, right. if I wasn't, if I hadn't already accepted that I have a very serious, incurable problem, uh, I might try California sober, you know, so uh you know, I, I feel like it's just a different way of saying the same old thing. I'm trying this now to see if I can handle it because I haven't accepted that I can't, I can't do this on my own. If I smoked pot today, I'd smoke pot tomorrow and the day after and the day after until it was all gone. But the amazing thing now is in 2021, I could just go down to the store. I can go down to the corner and buy pot in Washington. And, um, or a gummy bear. That's all I'd ever do, you know? Yeah, not for me. California sober. Hey, if it works for somebody. I've accepted that I cannot be California sober. Well, like I would also, I wanted to dance around that a little bit because I could understand somebody saying like, listen, if that's the way you want to go and that's the route you think you need to, so you can start to gather and let down some of these things. Like, you know, our, our goal is always to keep it moving and to progress, never to stay stagnant. So 
I could understand somebody saying that might be like the gateway into getting into sobriety, maybe getting into the rooms, but it, I feel like right. it should never, it should never be the goal because it, it can't be maintained. It just can't. I would it's, say if it were hard. like the, the, um, introduction to your sobriety would be one thing, but reverting back, I think erases everything that you've worked on in my okay, opinion. Guys, I'm going to stop doing cocaine on the weekends. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm going to lay that down. Amazing. Down right. Silver thing. Right. I could get that, but it shouldn't be the place. It shouldn't be your destination. Your, your last destination. Yeah. It's, it's kind of silly asking a bunch of addicts what they think of something like California sober. It's like, Hey, we've tried yeah. all that stuff. Right. I mean, I already yeah. did that. I, was, I didn't know. Yeah. They had I was California it. sober in 1999. I think Before, they didn't have cool. hashtags when I was California <laughs> sober. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's just bargaining with herself. She's trying to legitimize her use yes. by bargaining with herself. I have been revoked of the ability to drink alcohol because of the way that it makes me act, the way that it consumes my life. I just don't have that ability anymore. And I've accepted that. So no California sober for me. Kenny, do you like what you see in the mirror today? Uh, I'm I'm pretty conceited when it comes to yeah. I mean, I I love it. I love looking in the mirror, and it, that's a big change. That's a big difference because I used to look in the mirror and I used to hate myself every day. Uh, even from when I was a kid, I used to hate myself. I used to get bullied a lot as a child, and then when when I became an adult and I you know I was a drunk, I was drunk every day. I'd stare in the mirror and I really didn't like what I saw. And the real key to that was I had to start liking what I saw while it still looked bad. And 12 step taught me that 12 step taught me how to look in the mirror and, and love the person that looked back, even though it wasn't particularly pretty. And then I was able to work on myself physically. I said, okay, that guy in the mirror, he's okay. You know, we're going to be okay. Me and him. Uh, so what can I do today to make a little difference to that? You know, and today I, I look in the mirror and I'm very happy. You know, I don't have my hair anymore. I kind of miss that. <laughs> you don't need and it. it's tragic to lose your hair. But I had to accept that, you know, it was mostly gone. And then I just had to finish the job. But the transformation, the spiritual transformation that I went through to love the man that looked back and be happy with him no matter what no matter who looked back in the mirror. That was, that was the real gift that recovery gave me. And, uh, and now good looking guy looks back in my opinion. I mean, see, what can I say? <laughs> Michael, what are you grateful for today? I'm grateful that I'm accepting, uh, myself, uh, for who I am in my story and listening to my own story back really cemented that, uh, it was tough for me to do, to go listen to my own story, listen to myself speak. But I think it was a huge part of my growing process to go listen to myself, to accept myself for what I am, my story for what it is, and hope that it helps somebody. So I'm grateful that I have the power to, to grow like that. I can confidently say you helped someone. Acceptance is just a growing journey. It is this process that we're on. It begins with realizing, you know, that we need help of other people and realizing that in every season, you know, people come, but it's all about us walking forward and, and choosing consciously to better ourselves. You know, it doesn't, falling is never, 
is never the destination we want to be in, but it's about how we get back up. You deserve better. You deserve a fulfilled life. And there are people who are willing to come alongside you, even if the ones you want won't. There are people there who love you more than you probably love yourself. And it all just starts with saying, like, I can't do it on my own. Like, I'm willing to do what it takes to get where I need to be. Thank you. Well, what? Yeah. That brings us to the close of today's episode of the Sobriety Diaries Roundtable. Thank you so much for listening and watching today, friends. Huge thank you to the panel for sharing your experience with us. Couldn't do it without you. Hopefully you heard something that resonates with you. And if we help just one person, our job is done. You can find all things podcast related and subscribe to our show at thesobrietydiaries.com youtube.com slash Nate Kelly, where we upload today's video podcast, or on Instagram at the Sobriety Diaries pod. All of this will also be in today's show notes. So just scroll on down wherever you are listening. Check back soon for new episodes with new stories to tell. But until then, try your best not to drink and be good to yourselves. Bye, friends.